so great to see you. It has been <coughs> it has been a very very long time. And uh, can I just say for those of you if you're new here, it's so great to see you. But for those of you who have, who have been part of our church for a while, God bless you for persevering through this time. It's been difficult. And for you to be here now, uh, I just find that incredibly uh, encouraging. So it's just great to be back together. And I hope we can still figure out how to do this in the coming weeks. Man, it's tricky. It really is. <clears throat> well, I actually, I, st- I want to jump into the sermon. I can't get out of my mind... Um, Pastor Matt's purple sticker. I just, um, I'm curious how his mind got there. That's what I'm thinking about. But anyways, <clears throat> we are starting a, um, we're starting a new series called uh, Relational Rhythms. And uh, uh, I, I, well, let me just read the verse, and then we're going to, this is going to be an intro into something that's going to be going all um, I'll follow along. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7b to 8. It says, train yourself to be godly. The idea of train is, is the word where we get gymnasium or gym from. So it really is about working out. Train yourself to be godly for physical training or exercise is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise, uh, promising to save us actually, for both the present life and the life to come. So there's this idea that we're to train ourselves for something that has eternal value to it. So we want to look at three points tonight. The first is for what do we train ourselves? Well, it says very clearly in verse 7, to train ourselves to be godly. Now, the word godly means one who exercises love. Now, I don't know about you, but the way that I hear love described in our culture is this kind of a feeling that washes over you. It's kind of like those, those waves that you see in the background. Uh, where it just kind of happens to you. Well, what we see in this verse is that we're to train ourselves to be godly, to have this uh, experience of love, that love, just like working out physical muscles, love is actually a muscle that requires working out. And again, doesn't it feel sometimes that love should just kind of happen to you? Well, what we see in this Bible verse is that it says, no, you actually train yourself to become loving fascinating idea. How do we train ourselves to become loving? Well, uh, if you've been around the church for a while, you might have heard this phrase called uh, spiritual disciplines. And um, it's just, so there was a book, I don't know, it was a number of years ago, it was called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And uh, it didn't live up to the name. There was no celebrating. It It just, everything hard that you could imagine about Christianity was in the book. And uh, it was just do hard things because Jesus wants you to. And it was really, it was a difficult book to get through. And the idea of spiritual disciplines, you kind of roll your eyes, go, great. So Jesus wants my whole life, and he wants me to prove it. And so he's going to make me do really, really difficult stuff that he enjoys for some masochistic reason. And, uh, and I just have to endure it. Well, what I'd like to present to you, the, the things, the, the way that we're to exercise these Spiritual disciplines might be better phrased relational habits or relational practices. That what God is inviting us into is to practice loving him and loving others. It's not so much about a behavior to prove something. It's a behavior to an experience 
a relationship with God and others. In the, um, the email, if you sign up for our, our email, we send out a, an email every week. And we talked about, we tried to introduce this, um, this topic by thinking of a, of a couple who got to know each other and they're, you know, they're going to go on a date. And so we kind of related what happens on a date to the kind of things that God would want us to do. So if, uh, if we're going to listen to somebody, you know, how are you doing? Well, that's reading the Bible. You listen to God. If you're going to talk about how you're doing, that's praying. If you're going to go out for a meal together, that's called communion. If you're going to go for a walk on the beach, that's called solitude. If you pay for the dinner, that's called tithing. <laughs> but the idea is, is that uh, all of these things that look like spiritual responsibilities is really God trying to have a relationship with us. He's just inviting us to do stuff with him. And I think it's really easy. I don't know what it is. But it seems as though whenever God asks us to do things, we just think he has some motive that's just painful for us. But actually, what he's doing is he says, look, if you do this stuff, this is called you and I having a relationship. And so I'm inviting you to do it. Uh, here's the thing that, that I think we first need to grab hold of is that an intimate, life-giving relationship with God is not tricky. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I feel distant from God, the first thing that I want to do is I want to blame him. I want to say, look, I've done everything, and uh, I gave my life to you, and you're just super distant. I don't know where you are. You never answer my prayers. When I read the Bible, it's super dry. Uh, my friends, well, we don't even want to go there. And, you know, we just have this long list of complaints towards God. And God comes along and says, look, uh, sure, but what if all of your intellectual arguments and uh, emotional reactions, what if, what if all those things really aren't the point that you just actually need to do some things that would enhance the relationship? Just do some stuff. Uh, there's something that, that it feels like it's become a pet peeve for me, and, and that's never, that can be dangerous. But um, the kind of church we are, we're called an evangelical church, all right? And it means that we believe that the Bible is God's word, and we base everything on that. And uh, we also very clearly believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and gave us the free gift of salvation. That's really, really good news because there's no way that we could earn to have a relationship with God. But here's what I think has happened inside of the evangelical church, is we've made then anything that has to do with our behavior or our effort somehow undermining of having a personal, intimate, life-giving relationship with God. Uh, you know, I think about, uh, you know, Debbie and I, Married for 36 years. It is 36, right? I got insecure. Is it, is it 37? It's 36. It's quite a few. Thank you. Uh, just a few weeks ago. Keeps changing every year. I hate that. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways. So, uh, 36 years, Debbie has proven that, she, that her love towards me is unconditional. 
I've done lots of stupid things. You can imagine what you can rack up over 36 years. <laughs> I've done a lot of dumb things, sinful things. And she has shown that she unconditionally loves me. Isn't that great? So if I was an evangelical married person, what I would do is I would go, that's great. Thank you so much for loving me. Now, I'm actually not going to love you back because that might undermine feeling unconditionally loved. So I'm just like not going to love you because I, I, I just want to be able to receive from you all that you have for me, and I don't want to earn your love, so I'm just actually not going to do anything in our marriage, and I'm just going to receive from you. How do you think that would go? That wouldn't go very well. So here's the thing. Can you ever receive, uh, earn anyone's love? That's impossible. You can earn a wage. You can never earn love. Love is always freely given. But if you only ever receive love, do you have a relationship with someone? No, it's only half of a relationship. You need to love them in return. And only then do you have a life-giving relationship with God. So God comes along and says, look, I'm going to do this thing called dying for your sins. I'm going to love you unconditionally for eternity. But to complete the relationship, there's some things that you have to do. And that's not earning my love or, or proving anything. I just want a relationship with you. And I've done some stuff, and you need to do some stuff. And if we both do the right stuff, we're going to have a healthy relationship. And so these relational practices are nothing more, I mean, it, it sounds too fluffy because you listen to some songs and it's, it feels like we're dating Jesus. But it's kind of like that, where, where God wants to have a relationship with us, and so we do certain things that enhance the relationship. That's what's going on. Are you okay with that? Like, what if there's some things that we need to do? And the reason why you and I might feel distant from God at times is not because he's not doing something or, you know, fairy dust hasn't fallen on us lately. It's just because we haven't done what a relationship requires. If I don't talk to Debbie or listen to Debbie, we don't have a relationship. And I feel super distant from her. And I could complain and say, man, this is a horrible marriage. Now, what her response is, well, let's try doing this thing called communication and see whether that wouldn't help. And as soon as you start talking, everything changes. As soon as we start listening, as soon as we start praying, our relationship with God dramatically changes. It really is that simple. I was going through a, a, a difficult time in May. I think I... I told you all at least you know by video and I'm reading my Bible but I'm not into it I'm just I'm just going through the motions and I I realized that my heart just isn't I'm just I don't feel close to God and so I decide to read my Bible not just out of uh, functionality but because I want to draw close to God and in a very short amount of time, my heart's warmed again. And I love Jesus, and I know that he loves me. And I forget what I was complaining about and all of my intellectual arguments about the existence of God and is he really real and does he answer prayer really don't mean much because I'm close to him again. And all I did was things that enhance relationship. So 
let's ask a couple questions. So the first question that we answered is, for what do we train? We train to be godly. We train to have a, uh, to exercise love. And that requires some effort. Why, point number two, is this training hard? Why is it hard? Well, the first thing that might come to your mind is we say that, that it's painful. It's hard. Sometimes, I mean, you, um, I was talking to some people, and they said, I'm going to read the Bible from beginning to end. And it's like, oh, I know where this is going. It's called Leviticus. <laughs> and it's going gonna, it's gonna to fade really fast. Genesis, super exciting. Exodus, still okay. Numbers, why? And then by the time you get to Leviticus, you've, uh, you're sleeping in again. <clears throat> and so, you know, it's just painful. It, it, it's just hard. And so maybe the reason why you and I don't practice these relational habits is because they're too hard. I don't believe that. I think everyone in this room does hard things all the time. If you want to lose some weight, you do a really hard thing. You don't eat good things. That's really hard. But you do it, right? You decide to do a hard thing because you have a vision of, of you know, where you, where you want to be. Pastor Matt talked about at the beginning of COVID that he, uh, that he gained his COVID-19. I, <laughs> I think that's a very funny thing to say. Uh, but he's done very well. Well done, Matt. You've lost your 19. Uh, but, you know, but that requires some discipline, right? So we do hard things like that all the time. If you want to save up to go on a vacation or to buy a car or to buy a condo, you're going to sacrifice some pleasures now for something later. You're going to do a hard thing. I think we do hard things all the time. You go to school, that's hard. So I don't, I don't think you and I have an aversion to doing hard things. We do hard things all the time. So I don't think that's the problem. We might also say that it's about delayed gratification, that you know, when I, when I first kind of put my heart into reading the Bible again, uh, nothing really changed right away. But again, we're familiar with that, aren't we? If you guys go to the gym, I don't know who goes to the gym. I hate going to the gym. But if you like going to the gym, God bless you. But everybody there sweats. And it, uh, I like going to the gym. Anyways, you want to go to the gym? Great. And so you don't go to the gym once and then look in the mirror and see what's changed. Right? That's not gonna, that's not gonna help. You gotta go to the gym a lot before you see any change. And so you and I are actually, and you gotta save for something. And, and getting a degree at university takes four years. We're used to delayed gratification. So we can't say that that's the problem because we're also used to doing that. We're used to doing hard things, we're used to persevering for something. So what makes these relational habits difficult? I'd like to present to you what I think's going on. I don't know whether this would be disappointing or not, but I think it's true. And it's, it's what the Bible calls the flesh, which is a really weird term. I'll, I'll read the verse, then I'll explain it. Uh, Galatians 5.17 says, The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Um, I don't know how else to say this. Uh, the devil doesn't care if you lose weight or not. Doesn't care if you uh, can bench press whatever a large amount of weight is. I don't even know, I've never done it before, so I don't know what a lot is, but more than what I do. Um, the devil just doesn't care about that. 
could care less whether you buy a condo or not. Super cares if you read this. Super cares about that. You go work out all you want. God bless you. Don't read this. Don't do that. That there is actually, get this, in, a, in the Western world, you should all gasp. Demons are here. Yeah, I know. We thought they didn't live in the West. They're here uh, fighting against us to have a living, dynamic relationship with God. Actively. When you wake up in the morning and you go, really? I don't want to read that thing. That wasn't just your idea. Somebody was helping you with that. It's spiritual resistance. The Bible describes it as the flesh. The flesh being that part of us that is unsubmitted to God and is full of, of, of demonic energy acting against us. Uh, your mind is not a neutral space. Your will is not neutral. And things are acting against you. And so I think you can muster up enough willpower to go on a diet or to go to the gym or to save for something or to do, uh, uh, you know, um, some education. And I don't think you're going to get a lot of pushback. But the moment you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with him, there's going to be demonic attack. And that's just the truth. And so our flesh fights against connecting with God. For some reason, I find that comforting. That it's not because we have an aversion to pain or we don't, anything that isn't immediate gratification, we don't sign up for. I think we do those things. I think there's more going on. And we need to be aware of that. I think there's two ways that our flesh resists these relational habits and practices. The first thing is to kill our desire for it. To say, I don't want a relationship with God. I don't believe that. I can, I can, can I do this? Almost. Promise. That every single one of you, not just in this room, in this city, wants a relationship with God. They don't know how, they're afraid, maybe they're proud. I think in the human heart, everyone wants to know God. I just think I have, I, I've met very avowed atheists, and they hope they're wrong because there's something in us. But our flesh doesn't even want to admit that reality. And here's what, oh, I don't want you to believe this. You want to know God. Don't believe otherwise. I'm not too interested. I've never been much of a reader. I don't really, you know, praying. I fall asleep mostly. Yeah, so I, I know you want to know God. And when you hear that you have a desire to not know him, you didn't think that up on your own. I think that's the flesh, that spiritual resistance. And it wasn't just your idea. The second thing is this idea of effort. That, uh, that if I put in the effort, that's some kinda, somehow going to undermine having, a relation, uh, having a, uh, an unconditional love relationship with God. And so 
I can't put in effort because that's somehow going to undermine his love for me. And no, it's not. It's just you responding to his love for you. Effort is excellent. And anything of worth requires effort. I think that's true, isn't it? Have you ever done something? And it, I mean, everything that I know requires effort. So why is this training hard? Because I think there's forces in and around us that oppose us drawing close to God. So here's the final question. How do we change our desires? Well, this is a big question, isn't it? So here's what I hear in society is you can't. The main thing that you and I need to do is actually just flow with our desires. Our desires just come upon us. And, and the, the primary job in order to find peace in your heart is just accept them. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. Sometimes in my relationship with Debbie, I just want to be right. I don't want to be loving. I want to be right. I just want my way. And so what I, you know, can you imagine saying to Debbie, you know, Debbie, I just need to accept, and I need you to accept, that I'm, like, always right. And I should be always getting my way as opposed to you. I just really feel that inside. I just feel like I should have my way, like, all the time. That's what I feel. And I'm just being authentic and genuine with you right now. And that's how I feel. And you should accept that about me. And if you don't accept that about me, you don't unconditionally love me. And that puts this whole relationship on shaky ground. So you should work on that so that I can accept you. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. There's lots of desires that we have that aren't great desires. And to simply say that the job of finding peace is, is acceptance is a very naive thought. Now, I can appreciate, though, that sometimes our desires don't feel like choices, do they? It just feels so overwhelming and so all-encompassing that it's hard to imagine thinking another way, and I can appreciate that. So here's the question that we need to ask. How do we change our desires? Like, how do you do that? Well, I want to look at uh, First Peter, second, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 7. We're only going to look at at three words. We're going to miss a big chunk of it, but uh, I still think we're true to the text. So here's what it says in verse 5. Make every effort. Well, there we go. Uh, how are we going to have a life-giving relationship with God? We make an effort. It's going to require something on our part. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Where does change begin? It begins with faith. Trusting in God. Listen, uh, change doesn't begin with desire, it begins with trust. Trusting that my desires can change. That Jesus is so powerful, he can actually change a desire. That's pretty cool. Change begins, change of desire begins by trusting in Jesus to do miracles called changing our hearts. How do we respond to trusting in Jesus? The very next thing, get this, the very next thing it says, add to your faith goodness. What does Scripture tell us to do to change desire is to do good behaviors. 
No, 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 no. We put that at the end of the list, not at the beginning. We think that after we work through lots of heart issues, and it's going to take a very long time, we're going to work through lots of heart issues, and at the very end of the journey, we're going to have a new behavior. And Scripture comes along and says, you believe in Jesus? Great. Add to that good works. First thing. And then it goes through a whole bunch of other things. We aren't going to go through everything. But look at the very end. Click through to that. What's the last thing in the list? Keep looking. Love. Now, I would, if I was writing the Bible, I would have put love at the beginning, right? You have a, you, you love God, and then out of loving God, that desire, you're going to do good things. And Scripture comes along and says, no, that's not how it works. The way that it works is you do good things, and as you engage in relational practices, love comes. Love is the fruit of changed behavior. I think that's radical. And that is not frequently heard in our society. So what we do is we keep waiting for the fairy dust. We keep waiting for something to sprinkle on us that's going to change a desire, and then our behavior will change. And we end up waiting for a very long time. And Scripture says, I have a better way. Add to your trust a different behavior. Listen. Talk. Walk away with him in quiet. I did a very, uh, I, I, well, I'm old. But, um, but something, one of the things that I've noticed getting old, you're going to think if you're young, this is just going to be a radical moment right now. Wait for it. When I'm in the car, I don't listen to music. I know, right? I, and I, I just, it's quiet. I get in the car, and it's like, and I drive in absolute quiet. It's outstanding. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? No, I know. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I understand. I need to have space to hear my father. Sometimes it's through music. I know, I know, I get it. You can still listen to your music. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes I just need to be quiet. And as I do these things, my heart changes. Isn't God kind? He doesn't say, change your heart. He says, I'll change your heart. That's too hard. I'm not going to ask you to do something that's impossible to do. You can't change your heart, but you can change your behavior. You can read your Bible. Nobody's making you not read your Bible. You can pray. You can be alone with me. You can give. You can be thankful. You can do those things. And as you do those things, I'm going to fill that space with my presence, and your heart will be changed. This is outstanding news. <clears throat> <clears throat> uh, I remember, so I like, you know, I like mountain biking and riding my bike. I remember I, I commuted to work for, uh, for eight years, and I lived at uh, 33rd and Fraser and worked in Burnaby. And I remember the first day coming home, there's a very gradual hill from Knight Street up to where we live on 33rd. Like it's, you wouldn't notice it if you're driving a car. <laughs> 
but my legs really noticed. And I remember the first time pedaling up that hill, I thought, oh, dear God, this is, my legs are, are rubber. I have to get up and walk up the hills, hoping nobody sees me. And it's, I, this is hard. Well, two months later, I didn't notice that a hill was there. This might be difficult for you to begin with. This might be new behaviors. More to the point, patience might be a new thing for you. And this feels super hard. Reading my Bible every day? Like telling Debbie, Debbie, I've got to talk to you every day? Every day? Like every day? I can't miss a day? Isn't this a legalistic relationship? Can I miss a day? Like, can you imagine me? Like, that's just stupid. No, I get to talk to Debbie every day. I get to listen to her every day. And you start doing that, and your relationship grows. It's not tricky. In conclusion, um, this season, I, well, it's been like a year and a half or whatever it's been, one of the things that's characterized this season is really a lack of structure, where Sunday morning can be... Thursday afternoon, if you want it to be. You can just go online whenever you want. It doesn't really matter. Or not at all. And nobody's going to know. And I mean, everybody's really enjoying the flexibility. But in that flexibility has come a lack of structure that I think can steal away our heart from God and from one another. And so what we wanted to do in this season is, oh, it's just hard to say out loud because I just don't know if you'll hear me but is to reintroduce structure in your relationship with God, one another, in the world. That you would actually do some things. You'd come to church again. God bless you for doing this. I'll tell you, though, just, I just need to say this. Uh, I know lots of people uh, in our church who haven't watched a church service for a year or more and who are, who are moving away. I mean... Our church isn't magical. It, they can go to any church. That's not the point. But you can tell that their hearts are moving away from God and from his family. I'm really worried for them. And what I want to do is I want to go around and, and phone up every single one of them and meet with I can't do it. But here's what I'm asking for us in this season. Would we see re-embracing relational behaviors as good news and invite others into that as well. I think this fall will be a remarkable fall if we would simply do a few things genuinely. Can we do that? And so what we want to be able to do is go through the fall and look at different things that are going to help us in our relationship with God and one another in the world. And as we do the things that we did at first, it says in Revelation, we will, our heart will be warmed again. And we just, I, I remember, I go through, you know, I've been a Christian for, uh, I don't know, almost 40 years. And I go through, I go through dry seasons. And, um, and I go through a dry season. I start intellectualizing God. Where is he and does he really exist? I do that whole thing. And then God says, 
draw close to me practically. And I go, well, how would I draw close to you if I don't even believe that you exist? He says, start, start reading my Bible with your heart again. Start talking to me again. Hang out with my, with my kids. Start being around me again. I go, okay, fine. That's what you're asking me to do. And I do it, and my heart changes again. It doesn't change the first time I read. It takes a few times. But I promise you, as you, as you engage in the relationship, the relationship will grow. And the things that you long for God to be will become true again. Not because he changed, but because you're now engaged in the relationship, doing your side of it. And he will rush into that place and bless you with his presence. This is what Hebrews 12:11 says. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. What's righteousness? Right relationship and peace, relational harmony for those who have been trained by it. Father, this has been a very unstructured, unstable time. And I pray that you would give us the grace to put in some effort into our relationship with you, to not confuse it with earning your love, but nevertheless to respond to your love and to pursue you not just with feelings, but with behavior. And Father, I thank you that as we take practical steps towards you, you will be rushing towards us, filling those moments with your presence. And so I ask that this fall would be a, a reintegration into relationship with you, your church family, in the mission that you've given us. Be with us by your spirit as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen.